Here's the Thing is supported by The Winemakers, bringing the tasting room to your living room. Jeremy Weintraub of Sight Wines in Paso Robles, California, has earned near-perfect scores year after year. Today, Here's the Thing listeners can get an exclusive allocation of one of his impossible-to-find wines. Just text SIGHT to 351-444-WINE. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. As all of our listeners know, actress Debbie Reynolds died on December 28th, just one day after her daughter, actress Carrie Fisher, passed away on the 27th. Carrie and her mother had an unusually close relationship in public, and that was no act. Carrie was a friend of mine, and I don't mean in passing at movie premieres or film festivals. When I would attend parties at Carrie's home, she would talk about her mother incessantly. They were each other's best friend. It breaks my heart, especially for her daughter, Billy, that Carrie is gone. I always imagined we would have her on this program, perhaps with her mother, but that never came to pass. But right now, we'd like to rebroadcast our interview with Hollywood legend, the late Debbie Reynolds. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling, I'm happy again. It's rare when a movie comes along and inspires a whole generation of actors, singers, and directors. Singing in the Rain is one of those movies. It also transformed the lives of its stars. Debbie Reynolds was just a 20-year-old actress under contract at MGM. But after her performance in that iconic film, Debbie Reynolds was destined to become a star. Some of the highlights of her career include Tammy and Tammy and the Bachelor, with a song that reached number one on the Billboard charts. I hear the cottonwoods whispering above, Tammy, Tammy, Tammy's in love. Reynolds was nominated for an Academy Award for her leading role in the unsinkable Molly Brown and received a Tony nomination for her Broadway debut in the musical Irene. Over 20 years later, Reynolds played Albert Brooks' mother in his film entitled Mother. Oh, this is my son, the other one. Oh! And he's staying with me for a while. Debbie and I celebrated our birthdays earlier this month, just two days apart. We share an astrological sign, Aries. I'm still living. Isn't that extraordinary? (laughs) Well, I couldn't believe it when my birthday came again. It just was. And there were, well, now I'm 81. I said, hold it. I didn't want to be 80. How did we get to 81? And Debbie Reynolds has stayed busy, unlike a lot of her contemporaries. My friends, a lot of them just gave up because there weren't any good roles and everything they read was sort of a moron. And that was uh, depressing to a lot of the So the opportunities just dried up. They just walked away and everything just wound up to be like nothing, you know. And so they took up different hobbies. Some of them became Can you give me an example? teachers. Agnes Moorhead was one of my best girlfriends. Was she really? And uh, she was a great actress, really great. And she had a lot of students at her house. They'd come over. And she taught acting. She taught acting, and she taught singing. She taught impressions. Was this she in taught, California? California. Right. 
on Roxbury, right across the street was Jimmy Stewart and Lucille Ball, and everybody was on that one street. It was like, let's have a party every right. night. George Burns and Eddie Cantor lived on one block. So I would drive over there because that street was more fun than my fun. Right. Now, I'm going to mention certain people, and not for the obvious reasons, but you remained friends with Elizabeth Taylor until she mm-hmm. died. Why do you think she stopped working, and why do you think she stopped taking well, care Elizabeth of herself? Elizabeth had to stop working. She became quite ill. Because she was so sick. She wouldn't have ever quit working. Oh, Elizabeth loved to work. She did. Yes, she did, and she was a very good actress. We did a picture Carrie wrote, my daughter Carrie, these old broads, it was called, and Shirley MacLaine, Joan Collins, and Elizabeth and myself. So you made this movie? We made a movie. It was called These Old Broads that Carrie convinced. I've never seen this movie. Well, maybe you're one of the lucky ones. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cute movie. It was, uh, you know, four old broads that uh, gave up. was what you're talking about. They gave up working and, uh, you know, just kind of dillied around with the rest of their oh, I'd lives. I'd love to see this movie. You, Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. Joan Collins, and, and Shirley MacLaine? And Shirley MacLaine. Oh, my God. It was funny. Well, we had a lot of fun working together. Now, Joan never lets you watch her makeup, and she hides in her trailer and sure. does... Or her makeup, you know. Yeah. Kind of, but we all kind of I'm sure do it's that. quite an operation, yeah. Well, it is an operation for all of yeah. us. There's a certain point when you look in the mirror and everything is moved someplace else. Uh-huh. Yeah. And all you broads, shall we say, came, these four broads came from an era when everything was just was at its height. It was kind of heightened. Doing your hair and your makeup and your costumes and everything. It's not as... Uh, everything's super important and uh, everything is done for you. When we were under contract, most of us, Shirley MacLaine and Elizabeth Taylor, were at MGM and everything was done for us. You know, the makeup, the hair, they sent cars for us. We were very spoiled. We didn't kind of know what to do when they dropped everybody, like when television came in sure. and in the 48... Remember what year around that was the end, the end of the 40s? 48, 49. The studio system kind of died as you get into the 50s? It, it slowly died a death, you know. It was like interesting to watch. It was, I didn't realize it was the end, you know. I didn't know that it was that. You didn't know what the change meant? Well, I was a young girl, so I didn't. And I wasn't an intellectual. I wasn't educated. You're I from Burbank. I'm from Burbank. You're a gal from Burbank. Uh, and originally from Texas. And you Texas. wanted to be a gym teacher. That's me. You know, well, I always aim high. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love Jim. You know, I love yeah. I wanted uh, to be sport. a lifeguard. Son, girls. Well, yeah. You know, swim. Yes. Well, I was never that ambitious that I wanted to uh, be a lifeguard. But I, w- I wanted to be a gymnast. I wanted to work on the bars and, uh, and trapeze work. <laughs> I loved all that stuff. And what's the link for you? As a young girl, because you started very young, as a young girl in Burbank, and you're athletic, no doubt, mm-hmm. what's the first thing that happens that says show business to you? Well, I never thought about me being in show business. I was a fan, and I would go to the movies because my mother let me, but no one else in our church was allowed to go to films because movie stars were all evil creatures, just yes. dreadful. Yeah. My mother let me go to films. Your mother was very religious. 
bury my family, my, except my dad. My father used to say, no, 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 I'm not going to go to church with you. I've told you that I'm not going to go because all those good people will be killed if I walked in. The roof would fall <laughs> in. You know? And he was always teasing sure. my mother. Well, 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 if you don't mind my asking, what church did you go to? Church of the Nazarene, which is like Hardshell Baptist, kind of like so your that. mom was a hard. She was a Texan. She was a Texan. She was a Texan Baptist. She was tough and strict, and there were so many rules. How know? many kids in the family? Just my brother and I were in the family, and then my mother discovered. And what what's I, your brother's name? Bill. And do you know who Bill is? Oh, to me? No. You don't know? No. Do you know that Billy Reynolds? was my makeup artist on Knott's Landing for a year and oh a half. Oh, my gosh, was he Your really? brother, Billy, was, isn't he the was greatest? my makeup artist. And? He's one of the people that helped me survive that experience. Well, he because those three broads the were from the Joan Collins That's School where they were having the makeup put on with a trowel every day. That's right. They had to have federally funded programs to pay for the makeup for them. Billy Reynolds would turn to me and he'd sit there and say, you know, did you bring a book with you? He said, we're going to be here for a while. These gals are two, three hours in the chair. And then he told me that he was Elvis's makeup artist. Yes. And do you know that every time he mentioned Elvis, he didn't mention it a lot because he was very No, very shy, yeah. Very shy. He mentioned Elvis once or twice, and he started to cry. He would turn away from me and hide his face. He said to me, Elvis was the greatest man I ever worked with. Well, the other used to play. Elvis used to tease him a lot and put snakes down his pants <laughs> and uh, popcorn. They pop popcorn and put it in his drawers. You know, they used to kid my brother. They used to just pick on him, kind of. But he didn't care. My brother was a baseball player, a really man's man. Where is he now? He lives in in my house. No, with me. Will you give him my love? I will. I don't even know if he'll remember me. Oh, sure. He does. Oh, he remembers everything. He just doesn't talk about it. You know, some men that are like uh, almost reclusive, but not really, because underneath all of that is a great sense of humor. I adore my brother. I think he's... I, he, he helped save my life. The ladies here, by the way, who we work with, made us a cupcake. Um, <laughs> I see. I see. Made this for my, this I know the, the candle. I just um, the candle just burned my, my finger. Tire. Candles and strawberries and cupcakes. It's our birthday. That's to be nice to us. So as to be nice to us, they made the cupcake gluten-free. But you and I both know oh, really? I have a feeling the gluten-free really is bullshit. Oh, is may, it, may I say is that? It? It's bullshit. Well, I think you're allowed on this <clears throat> radio. You know, I always I used to be a disc jockey. When I was 16 years old, I was at Warner Brothers. I first went there when I first won this little contest. What's, what contest? Uh, in Burbank, California, where I was raised. See, we came from Texas because we were really poor, and my dad wanted us to have a better life, so he moved us to California. What kind of work was he looking for? He railroad. He worked for the railroad. He repaired uh, underneath the engines. He would repair all kinds. They had a lot of railroad happening there in uh, California? Well, my, my dad I guess they had enough, huh? worked really hard, but I get the most boring job in the whole wide world. I retired him as soon as I came, as luck changed and my whole life changed, and I came into show business. I, I discovered a whole different world and that people really had fun and people laughed. And our life was rather tedious and hard because we didn't have any money. I mean, my dad made 200 a month. Now, that's better than nothing. But it still also buys very little. Mm-hmm. So our life was a little bit meager. You know, we never had a Christmas tree. We never had. So when the opportunity came along for you to get into the business, yeah, and I, I'm from the same school, actually, 
I'm wondering, were you as enticed by it and were you as thrilled by as much about making money to help your family as you were about Mm -hmm. your own glory? Well, mostly I I thought it was a joke that uh, I won this contest and then all of a sudden I'm I'm in movies, the silliest thing I ever... What was the contest? It was Miss Burbank. You, oh, you were Miss Burbank. Burbank. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't downplay that. No, I like that's, that's a great it's honor. It's changed my whole life. It made my whole life wonderful and marvelous. Travel all over the world and meet all these m- fabulous, interesting people and see different countries. And so I'm very proud to say I was Miss Burbank <laughs> exactly. and had a hole in my bathing suit and there my rear end was hanging out and I didn't have shoes, high heel shoes. So I had. I'm very uh, grateful for. Stumbling into show business. The first step. Yeah, I love it. Then after Miss Burbank, what happened? They took me to Warner Brothers and made a little screen test and asked me why I wanted to be a movie star. So, of course, I told them I didn't want to. And then after they laughed and they said, of course you do. I said, no, I don't. I don't really. I mean, this is just fun. You're just, this is, you're kidding around, right? I was very square, and uh, my family were very virginal, you know, very go to church Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Are you glad they were square? I'm grateful for that kind of upbringing. Because throughout your career, and I'm not just saying this, I mean, I wouldn't waste your time or mine. You know, you're a gorgeous woman. Everybody thinks of you and think of you being three things, beautiful and talented, but also being very straight-laced. I mean, your career was something where there's a kind of a, uh, in the sensuality quotient, there's Ava Gardner over here. Who's kind of working that whole thing. And then there's you, who you didn't work that whole thing. Did you find that that was something that was because of your childhood and your upbringing? I I just think that that's the way you're raised. You know, it's what you hear. What you hear is sinful, and what you hear is not proper for young girls to behave in that manner. So you were pretty strict, you know. I mean, you were... And I I just grew up that way, so I I thought that's the way everybody was until after uh, three husbands. Now I realize that that's a totally wrong concept. (laughs) We're going to get to that. Unlucky in love, unlucky. What else happens when you're unlucky in love? I just made it up. Oh, you just wrote that song? Just for you. Okay. Well, we should record you later good on. We should morning, sing it together. Good morning. We've danced the whole night through. Good morning. Good, good morning, morning to you and you and you and you. Good morning. Good, good morning. morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to you. What fun, you see? I can't sing to save my life. If you put a gun to my head and said sing, well, I'd, I'd be dead. Well, you almost sang on key. When did you know you could sing? When did you know? You, when did you realize I you could just sing? Just started singing like other people. So what you're saying? So you started by doing mimicry. I started mimic. Yes. Jeanette McDonald's. I never tried Jeanette McDonald. She's a soprano. <laughs> but I would uh, do the alto and Ethel Merman. Anybody with a big voice, you know, I'd always do their voices because I. I enjoy comedy. Comedy is everything. A pratfall, a shtiklach, that's uh, everything to me. I love vaudeville. That's my favorite thing. I enjoy drama, somebody else doing it. I personally don't want to do it, Debbie Reynolds, because it's so serious. It makes me sad. Mm. It takes me where it goes. And so I don't accept any parts that are devastating because I don't want to be unhappy in my life. Mm. I'll just live my life. It's, that's tough enough. So I don't need any parts that make me miserable. So when you're at Warner's and you say to them, I don't want to be an actress, and they do the screen test, what happens there that you wind up banking over to MGM? What happened? Well, Jack Warner, he was the boss. So he said, we're not going to do any more musicals, so send the kid over to MGM. 
And they so sold they, you. They drove me. They sold me. Like a horse. Well, yeah, or donkey. I was sort of <laughs> stubborn. I say a donkey. So I go to MGM, which is LB Mayer, mm -hmm. and they're still making musicals like Mad because they were the biggest studio of all. Everybody in the world was there. Clark Gable, Van Johnson, you know, Greer Garson, and Lana Turner, Ava Gardner. I mean, the doors opened, and like all these stars spilled out. It was the only one. The only one that ever really left on her own was Garble. So, oh, I'm multiple be alone I want to be alone so we left her alone yes, she's that. gone she's we out got her a car she's we, got, and we, we had her a car off. and shipped her off she went to New York she saved a hundred thousand dollars she went to the bank she met the president his name was Schlee Mr. Schlee and he's gone now but I know this story I love stories you could call me a gossip so, Gar so, so Garbo's with Mr. Schlee with a hundred grand and she asked don't please don't help me to take care of my money. So Mr. Schlee falls in love with Greta Garbo and uh, takes care of her the rest of her life. She lived in New York City, and they used to go for a walk. Garbo would walk, and Mr. Schlee didn't like to walk, so he'd drive in the Rolls Royce or the Duesenberg or whatever it was beside her while she did her shopping. Antiquing, you know, she loved antique. Now, was Mr. Schlee taking care of Greta Garbo, or was he... Taking her care money. of Greta No, Garbo. he was taking care of her money. Of money. Now, right. what they did on the side of for tea or lunch, uh, I never inquired. A good, a good because, Baptist girl from Texas doesn't tell. Well, it was, I, you know, I didn't want to even think about that because I just wanted to think about what a romantic situation the whole thing. Yes, a man trailing along in his Can you see, Excalibur. Yeah, with this movie star, and she's walking, looking in all the windows, and then he's in a, in a car, right? So, with the door open, <laughs> driving along beside her. These stories don't happen anymore. So she walked away forever. She walked away forever. She never made another film ever. And you show up at, at MGM, and what happens? Well, what happens is they send me to a meeting, and so they call Gene Kelly in the room, and Mr. Mayer says, Here, Gene, this is uh, the new girl that you're going to have as your leading lady. And, uh, and you're 17. I'm 17. Good and but I had never danced before. I'd never acted before. Nothing, nothing person. Just a girl scout. So there I was with Gene Kelly, a movie star. I couldn't believe the whole scene. I mean, I just thought the whole thing was silly. I really thought it was silly. So uh, Mr. Kelly says, can you do a time step? I said, oh, oh, yes, I learned that at Girl Scout camp. So he said, do a time step. So I did a little awful time step. Then he said, can you do a Maxi Ford? And I said, I, I don't have a car. Well, obviously, that was the wrong answer. He looked at Mr. Mayor and he said, You're kidding me, boss. Yeah. And Mr. Mayor said, No, I'm not kidding you, admitting you. This is, this is the leading lady. She's going to do the part. And that was it. He was stuck with me. Poor thing. Can you imagine, Jane and, Kelly? And, and, and these guys were, I'm assuming, like, like many of the actors I know today, they're pretty no-nonsense people when it comes to the quality of their, their product. You know, they're very hard-working. Well, Gene Kelly, of course, is the most brilliant dancer. Gene said, all right, I'll take her. I can, I can fix her. I can fix it up. Because she's right for the part, the acting part. And, but the dancing, my God. I knew it was an interesting time, but I was too young to know about it. But a stare taught you, too. 
He helped me. Uh, I was trying to learn everything, like with Donald, run up the wall and flip backwards. I mean, I knew I was a flip, but, you know, I had to learn how to... I wanted to learn everything. And then I'd be crying under the piano. One day, a pair of legs go by, and I'm, I'm crying away, and the legs say, who is that under the piano? Who is crying? So I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's, it's just me, Debbie. So it was... Fred Astaire, he said, Debbie, get out, get out from underneath. He pulled me out, and he said, now you come and watch me rehearse. I never allow anybody. He always had a, a, a guard at the gate, a security guard. No one was ever allowed, but he let me watch, and for maybe over 40 minutes, and his face turned all red. He just used a cane and a drum. After about a half an hour, and his face turning red, and he's doing brilliant work, of course, he looked over at me and says, now, Debbie, I want you to go back in there, stop crying, and be great. In order to be a great dancer, you have to practically kill yourself. This is what it takes to be a great dancer. Work, work, work. Now run in there, just run in there. Shut up and do it. Did that help you? Oh, yes. I just felt like I was a big sissy. And I didn't like to be a big sissy in those days or any other day. And so when you, you finished the movie, and well, when we it was done, how did you feel took about a year how to right. do and how did it, and how did you feel when it was over? I think you you've learned a great deal, either that or you already quit, because in order to keep up with these great talents, you had to devote yourself totally. I didn't go home. I slept in my dressing room. I wasn't uh, off any days. I didn't take any days off because I'd practice more while I was on Saturday and Sunday. We didn't have Saturday off. We only had Sunday off, and I'd practice all the time. And I don't think I changed at all. I just learned how to apply myself. And what about people's perception of you? That must have changed. The picture came out what year? I don't remember what year, 1952? Something like that. Well, it was not a hit. It was not a hit. It was just a mediocre hit. And then it was discovered, rediscovered through the schools and the teachers that taught uh, drama and class and la lessons. The, the movie became a hit through school and for teachers, university teachers and all that. Singing in the Rain has remained a hit or became a hit. Many, 10 years, 15 years But is it after. safe to say that the girl who's crying under the table by the time the movie comes out and that process is complete, you're a movie star now, correct? Well, I was popular. They couldn't believe a young girl had gotten that far and no talent, no, no experience. So I was uh, newsworthy. But in those days, we had movie magazines, and they'd write all kinds of stories for free. You know, the studios would give. It was the golden era. So, and what kind of stories did they write about you then when you were only 17, 18 years old? What did they they'd write? They'd make it up. You know, they'd <laughs> get, give a little party. They'd give a party. They they had Rock Hudson going out with his secretary. You know, Rock didn't want to go out with his secretary. Yeah, unless it was Paul. Uh, yes, yeah. that's John, Sam, and yes. Joe. What's the next picture you did after Singing in the Rain? Uh, after Singing in the Rain, I did How the West Was Won right. with every star you've ever heard about. The first movie I ever saw in a movie theater in my life, ever. It was a wonderful picture. How the West Was Won. Spencer Tracy narrated the whole thing. Yeah. Stars Stewart. you'll never see again. Yeah, never. That was Tracy's last appearance, right. and he didn't even go on film. He, j he just narrated it. Mm -hmm. And John Wayne was in that. Yeah. Uh, uh, everybody. Yeah. 
It took two years to make that picture. I started out playing a 16-year-old and ended up a 90-year-old. <laughs> sort of felt like my life. <laughs> These did you, things did you enjoy that picture? I worked very hard on that picture. And Henry Hathaway was the director, right. and he was really tough. And uh, very hard on everybody, you know. Not very kind to actors. No. Uh, we were all a little bit uh, stupid and uh, Employees. slow. Right. He thought we were slow. So he... he uh, I had heard this about him, you know, that he was a very tough director. So when he came over to Fox Studio where I was making another film with Andy Griffith, I said to him, uh, he wanted me to do it, uh, the first part of it, How the West Was On. I said, well, sir, the uh, truth of it is that I've heard really such bad things about you. I don't want to work with you. So he just stared at me. He said, what the, f is that, what, and so he's cussed like crazy. Really? Oh, yeah, he cussed. He said, what the, and you, what, what, what the like, beep? You little snot nose, you little. Did he really? Oh, yes. So he, you just, he, he attacked you and got aggressive. He bawled me out. He, he just said, you, you have no right to say that I'm bossy or that I cuss and all that. I said, well, what are you doing now, what? for goodness sake? What do you think you're yelling at me for? Did, did he change we towards you at all? the commissary. There were people staring and everything. I said, ah, this is why I would never work for you, because I don't want to be miserable. So I turned it down, and then he, he wouldn't let me turn it down. He said, no, you're going to do it. And he talked to the president of Fox and MGM, which owned my contract. They said I had to do it, so I, I had to do it. Come, come, there's a wondrous land where I'll build you a home in the so back then, you signed those contracts, and people, I think, the, 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 the distance that the studio system has now, which receded so far for audiences today, they don't understand that notion that you signed a contract and you didn't get to pick the films you were in. Your own. It's like a bondage. Right. It's like indentured a, servitude. That's it. exactly. How did the picture go with him? Was he was he was he? Well, I went. Uh, I did the first section as the one uh, that I was signed for, and went on location. And he said, "All right, walk over there." I said, "Where am I walking to, sir?" You just walk where I said pointing to. I said, "I have to understand where where am I walking? What am I saying?" He said, no, you don't. You just do what I say. I said, this is what I told you the day we had the lunch, that you were going to be rude and terrible to work with, and so I'm going to go lie down and rest. He said, no, you're not. You're going to walk over there, and you're going to shut up. I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to faint because uh, you've upset me too much. So I fainted. And what happened? Oh, I purpose. love this. I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to do that. No, you just pass out. When I meet a director, I'm like, I'm going to faint. Well, I'm they gonna can't... go, oh my God, you've upset me so much. Boom. Boom, fall, just fall yeah, down. Fall. Just let and him kick you, it doesn't matter. So lay down, so if you're laying, did Hathaway come up and kick you? Did he kind of poke you with his boot or well, something? Well, he poked me. <laughs> he poked me with a boot. No, seriously. Uh, no, he with his foot. You know, he poked me. You wake up, you silly son of what did what did you make? Cussing. You're kidding me. I wouldn't open my eyes at all. Because I was just in my mind, I said, no, just stay here all day. Just stay here. They can't wake make you wake up. So then they put some, that claw. What's that stuff under ether under your nose? So smelling uh, salts. Yeah, but I didn't still wake up. I just breathed really deeply, like broad. yoga, you know. 
No, I was. I was. You were doing this Ayurvedic breathing of smelling salts. Yes. That's how obstinate you were. I was not going to wake up. He couldn't get me up. So what was the conclusion of this? What happened? Did you? you, I'm assuming because you're here, you eventually got up. He walked away. Finally, he said, "She's faking. I know she's faking. I'm going to kill the little kid." And then he became amused by it. Because yeah. he thought he, he knew back. I was faking. But I wasn't going to ever wake up. He so he knew, kind of respected you a little bit? He you knew back? I wasn't going to wake up. He knew I wouldn't do it. I was a lot like Hathaway. Right. See? So, so, uh, How many months did you have to go on this goddamn picture? <laughs> How long was well, it left? Well, a uh, year and a what half. Was this? <laughs> Year and a half. So this I was worked. like day two. And I fainted about ten times. So I was going to say, how many more faint? Did you did your dresser know to lay down a cushion or something? When you did you wink at her? I got uh, the faint coming. I would just kind of wink and I'd fall. <laughs> you know, I, the same thing happened on Broadway. I was doing a play here called Irene, and they wouldn't give us t- two more days to rehearse. And Gower Champions going nuts. We're not quite ready. We're ready to open, but we're not quite ready. So I went over to Gower. I said, Listen, Gower, if we need another two days, I'll get it. He says, you can't get it. They were there out of money. I said, no, no, if, if I disappear, if I get sick or something happens, if I fall, you know, he said, well, how can you do that? I said, watch. I said, okay, let, let's rehearse that first number. So we rehearsed, the one where I do the flip. So I did, and they said, all right, all right, go ahead, go ahead. Gower's looking, he can't believe what I'm going to do. He doesn't know what I'm going to do. So I run and run forward to the wings and flip in the air and crash down and knock myself out. But I'm not really out. Of course not. No. So I I opened one eye to Gower and winked at him and went back out. You really aren't this wholesome. That Nazarene <laughs> from Burbank. You're, no, you're a devilish to be little with imp. Me. You can flip you like around trouble. all day. Yeah, you like trouble. Well, no, I just get you're out a of trouble. You're a troublemaker. <laughs> you're very willful. Who's a director that you loved? I really loved all the directors. I loved Hathaway, too. I, I became very dear friends and visited you together. You are an Aries, aren't you? You're an Aries. I'm Aries. Yeah. I'm born April Fool's Day. Aries is is very stubborn, but very really good person. I mean, I don't think that there's a bad bone in the body other than our temper. Um, that I I you're known for your temper. No, that's not true. But it's not oh, true, right? That's just all a lie. It's just that if that's you... the press making up things, you know. Oh, the press love to make up yeah, things. They just make well, up luckily, things see, I'm not popular in the sense for the press. If you I see know. a picture of me going to, it says I'm going to hit or push a photographer. You... I'm going to help them. They might fold. I'm reaching to help them, or I'm reaching oh, to well, hug them. Oh, I think them. the photographers today are terrible when they chase uh, people. See, they didn't do that in my day. No, I'm so happy I was in the golden era. They keep calling it of uh, show business. So we didn't have paparazzi like this. But speaking of which, when you say about being an Aries, and I'm not big on astrology, but people who are Aries, they always say they love to bury the hatchet and have people get along. Yes. And even though you can have a bad temper and you can have grudges against people, they don't last. No, you just speak up. Right. You're kind of rigorously honest, if we, if you will. But for you, you buried the hatchet with Hathaway and he became a friend. You're someone that doesn't like to hold a grudge with people. No, I don't, but I'm rather like an elephant. I, I, I remember everything. Yeah. And Debbie Reynolds has had her share of hatchets to bury. In 1955, she married singer Eddie Fisher. It was the show business wedding of the year. Four years later, Fisher famously left Reynolds for her best friend, Elizabeth Taylor, soon after Taylor's husband was killed in an airplane accident. 
But years later, she patched things up with Elizabeth. They had known each other since they were kids. We were friends. We went to school together. Elizabeth and I were kids together. And so what happens about our relationship was out of their desire to be together, Eddie Fisher and, and she. So that, you know, when a man wants to go, he wants to go, he goes. I've learned that, mm -hmm. certainly. So of course I forgave her years after that because she, she forgave herself. Marriages two and three were less public, but no less painful for Reynolds. Now she's sworn off the institution. In a minute, she'll talk about her daughter, Carrie Fisher, and their relationship. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing from WNYC Radio. Here's the Thing is supported by the winemakers. Last week, we did a Zoom wine tasting with Jeremy Weintraub of Sight Wines in Paso Robles. He's the winemaker for many high-scoring and sought-after wines from all over California. Sight is his personal label, made from a tiny vineyard on the Central Coast. Watch our tasting and score an allocation of this impossible-to-find wine, typically only offered to insiders, friends, and family. Today available exclusively to Here's the Thing listeners. Just text SIGHT to 351-444-WINE. That's S-I-T-E to 351-444-9463. Listeners get the friends and family price until this tiny allocation is sold out. Limit six bottles per listener. Just text SIGHT to 351-444-WINE. This is Alec Baldwin. Carrie Fisher's solo show, Wishful Drinking, discusses her battles with substance abuse, manic depression, and being the child of Hollywood royalty. It's poignant and hilarious. Having waited my entire life to get an award for something, you know anything, I don't care. All right, fine, not acting. But what about like a tiny one for writing? I now get awards all the time for being mentally ill. So she is so funny. Oh, yes, she's brilliant. She's, She's a brilliant. brilliant. Woman. I was, the children were really little. I was very worried about my health. I was on the road and I was just working like mad in vaudeville, and I was concerned. And the children were were very small. And I, I called up Jean Dixon, who was a prophet yes, yeah. and lived in Washington. And I mean, she you know she did with the government and all kinds of. And she was it was the truth. She was sensational. Gave me an appointment and I sat down and she told me exactly what my children have become come and everything that happened she told me I was married to Harry Carl at the time she said when you go home you're going to have to face a divorce and he has taken all of your money when you go home you will find that out so you don't know anything about it I said well no I, I let him take care of the money she said oh, well he is yeah. Carrie is going to be in white robes and stand on a stage this is the astrologer Jean Dixon astrologer just Jean Dixon, who is very world famous. Remember. Did she predict Kennedy's assassination as well? She predicted yeah. everything, yes. Kennedy's, Robert Kennedy. Oh, that was her claim to fame. And Jack Kennedy, right. yes. She was uh, very famous, and then she told me Todd would, would uh, be a builder and go to architectural school, and they have d exactly... This is your son. My son, Todd. What does he do now? Architectural, well, he's a uh, Bills. Where does he live? 
He lives in the, the valley. Oh, he's in, L- he's in L.A. as well. In L- L.A. Carrie, all your family's all around each other. Yes, they're all. We all live sort of together because we adore each other. You wrote in your book that you're unlucky in love. Why were you unlucky in love? What do you mean because by that? Because I'm just too old-fashioned. You picked the wrong you people. You know. Well, of course I picked the wrong man, but that, that's because I, I am easy. You know, I'm easy. I don't ever argue. I mean, you need the money here, you take it. Oh, you need that, well... You, you trust you, people. Well, I'm very trusting. How is Carrie like you and how is Carrie like Eddie? Can you see the, the lines there? Well, uh, Carrie was born with Eddie as the father, and he was on speed. So Carrie was born was manic, depressive, bipolar. So she will have that for the rest of her life. Oh, she and it's was. a dread disease for oh, Carrie. you think she got that from him? Yes, from Eddie. It was very sweet of him. Carrie has an illness that is a severe problem over the whole world, and they do not have any answers for you. She's taking shocker treatments right now. It is a family's pain. We all have it because we so want Carrie to be well, mm-hmm. and that's what we pray for all the time. Mm-hmm. And How's she's Billy? so funny. How's you know? Billy? Her daughter is yeah. divine, and she goes to school here yeah. in New York. And she's the most beautiful, young, smart, really smart. And uh, she's smart. taking accounting, so I think we'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Those things won't she happen She won't again. come to me for about money. And Carrie's going to be fine. She's fr- brilliant, and she's a great writer. What did Carrie get from you? For, from me? Yeah. What did she get from uh, you? <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> laughter. Right. right. If you could give people laughter, that would be the ideal thing. I know this is going to sound really cliched and kind of silly, but, you know, you come from such a great era of movie stardom. Your name means something. When you say someone's name, you kind of go, oh, okay. But your name, you say a certain kind of a film, people automatically think like the big golden age of Hollywood musicals and you and Kelly and all these movies and unsinkable Molly Brown and all these great films. Even though people don't realize that you stopped making films. I wrote this down. You stopped making films by and large at around, what's the matter with Helen in 1971? And then from 1971 mm-hmm. to 1996, according to uh, your biography, most of what you do is voiceovers or retrospective releases like it. That's entertainment. You know, you don't work a lot during that period in film. I just do nightclubs. I, I work theater. You do a club act. I, I do a club act. I, I work 42 weeks a year. I you did? I worked every day. I Where would you go? Everywhere. Colorado, you Oklahoma, toured the country singing. Texas. Yes, Australia, England. I did, uh, did the five a day in England. So for I, 20 I years. became a vaudevillian for 20 years to you make a, a living for my children. And then, and then in 1996, you go and do the movie with Albert Brooks. Yes, I did. Mother. Now, how did he convince you to do that movie? No, Carrie called me. She said, Mother, I read a script Albert Brooks. They were very good friends. I did, and it's so funny. You have to do it. I said, well, you know nobody wants me for movies anymore, dear. She said, well, Mother, I want you to fly up here. I was in Vegas, and I owned a little hotel, and I had a nightclub, and I was happy as a hog in heaven. So she said, well, no, I don't care, Mother. You have to fly. So I flew in, and I met Albert, and I read a scene for him, and he said to me, you've got it. And I said, what does that mean, Albert? <laughs> he said, well, you've got it. You, you've got the part. I said, Albert, I have to meet the director. Oh, I am the director, Debbie. Right. 
Oh, I, I, I didn't know Albert. I said, because, you know, I know him since he's a young boy. And then I said, well, you have to see the producer then, dear. You can't just suddenly hire Debbie. Well, I know, yes, I can. I'm the producer. I'm the producer. I'm the director. I wrote it. Yeah. And, and yes, you're going to do yeah. it. He's Orson Welles. I said, yeah. Albert, I, I, you'll get into trouble. He said, no, you really are going to get it now because you're bossing me. So now you're just like my mother. So you've got the part <laughs> for sure. Can you eat lamb chops? Well, what the hell is a lamb? It's meat. I told you. I don't eat it. Well, it's not a cow. I didn't know if it was the animal you were siding with or the whole thing. The whole thing. Want some cheese? No. The salad. Albert was very sweet. He wanted Doris Day, but she just wouldn't do it because she would have been terrific. But as we all know, Doris doesn't want to go back on the screen. And I didn't want to because I was in Vegas and I was running my hotel and I was having a lot of trouble with my husband and he wanted to, you know, take over my business and throw me over the balcony. And I was having a lot of problems. But I left and I did the movie Mother and I was, I'm happy I did. I think And you made a lot of films and a lot of TV shows since then. Uh, Will and Grace. Right. What did you play? Well, what do you mean? I played well, Grace's role? mother. Right. You, you were Grace's mom. Adler, her name was Adler, and uh, so uh, she sang a lot, did impressions. It was a lot of fun to do. And the, uh, you have you stopped the the club act? Are you still doing that? Are you still? No, I still do my club act. I've been under the weather for about four months, so I've been kind of taking it easy and getting my health you back. You look fantastic. Can I tell you something? You look fantastic. Well, you look you're gorgeous. Very sweet. You look gorgeous. <laughs> you're giving me my birthday party. No, brother. you look beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, dear. You and I wish you all the happiness with your new wife and a baby to come. Mm. Your life is all ahead of you. I love my babies so much. And even though they're all grown in your age, practically, you know, there's nothing like it. It's just no, I'm so really special. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, when I think of you and you being part of that, you know, great era of uh, studio filmmaking. Do you ever watch your stuff that you did? Do you ever go back and watch those films, or you don't bother? Well, some of the films, I I, I watch everybody else's films. Betty Davis, oh, I loved her. And Katherine Hepburn, I, I love. So when you watch a movie, you watch a movie from back then? Oh, yes, I only watch old movies. You don't go to see, you don't go exactly, so you don't go see movies today? Not really. You don't? Not even screeners from the Academy or DVDs at home? So you, if, you don't, if someone tells me it's really wonderful, I'll go. So like Titanic you'd watch or something? No, I didn't go to see you Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> You've no, been there. No, I, I did that movie. Yeah, you did that movie. <laughs> no, uh, I... I just did a film with the, it was about Liberace behind the candelabra with Michael Douglas with Michael Douglas and uh, that'll be out soon. I played Mrs. Liberace, and uh, because I like to do dialects, you know, and I knew Mrs. Liberace and I knew Lee. We were you know very good friends. Yes. yes, we were really dear friends. And he'd always call me up after the show, and we'd go out together, and he said, "Wear white, all white, Debbie, and your jewelry." And then he'd arrive in the limousine with a chauffeur's hat on, and he'd drive me. I mean, he was so. <laughs> So much fun. I loved Liberace. It was great. So I did his mother. How was Soderbergh to work with? Did you like Soderbergh? Oh, he was wonderful. The director was wonderful. Great director. 
I just had a little part, you know. Sure. And she had an accent. There are no little parts, baby. She was, she was. Well, there is the, the only thing hard is dialect to, to be real. And you have to do, do when you're doing the dialect, is Polish. And so you have to talk like the, the, real, the real one and to be you know, unbelievable. Because I am very good at dialects. I love to do them. You know, what, you know what's amazing to me is you still enjoy doing this. Oh, you yes. still love this. Yes. Even though this is something that you came into almost accidentally. You know, you won the contest and you went over to Warner Brothers I think and you it were was like, a gift they said, God. we want you to be in the movie business. And you laughed when they said that. And yet here you are when you were 16 years old and now you're 81 years old, 65 <laughs> years later. That's right. You still enjoy doing this, don't you? Absolutely. If you're blessed enough to, to be able to have something to do that you love, Besides marriages, I mean. That's the only thing that's been a disappointment to me in my life. Honey, you're looking at the man you should have married. Here I, It's me. Here I am. <laughs> I wouldn't have stolen your money. We, you and I would be home right now watching Turner Classic movies, eating popcorn. I'd be giving you a foot rub. <laughs> I have a wonderful life. I really do. God bless everybody. I really am very happy. But I bet happy. you another thing you have, and you don't have to confirm this, but I bet you I know another thing you have, which is when you meet people... Your fans, I bet you they just love you. They're my friends. They're not my fans. You know, everybody I meet, I just feel like I know them. 65 years, and they they made me. They, they gave me my work, and they stay by me all these years. Yeah. You know, I work in Vegas all the time, and I work in Laughlin, which is called, it's in Nevada. Sure. You're and, Bullhead City, right? Yeah. Anywhere there's a job, I work. You enjoy doing it live that way? How long is your show? Oh, sure. The whole act, an hour and a half. I do an hour and a half. You do an hour and a half. I do a lot of comedy. Well, I mean, I try to make it funny. Well, let, 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 let me end with this. Acting for me is very strange now. I, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. You know what I mean? I'm, I don't think I want to do it much longer. And the world has changed, you know, as you well know. It's very different the way. Uh... Is that your phone? I think it is your phone. Where's my... Isn't that odd? Yeah. Where's my... Oh, wait. Isn't it? <laughs> the, what you're listening Excuse to now us, is folks, Debbie Reynolds taking her phone out it's of her my, pocket. Uh, it's my son, I'll bet you. Is it, is it Todd? And I, yes, and I calling never... Calling us from the valley. I never turn this Debbie phone Debbie Reynolds on. is now taking out all the accoutrement, her little Asian But I don't... I can't find case. the phone. She can't find it. Let's find it, please. Oh, here it is. There it is. Well, and it... This is this is how my son was born. Nine pounds three ounces. Took a long time to get it out. I was nine pounds. Hello. Three ounces. Good heavens, uh, that's hard to find. Can you say it again? Hello. Did I get you too late? That's the story of my life, isn't it? Must be a man. Well, I'm going to hang up now. I'm visiting with Alec Baldwin. He's a big star, yes. He's in Broadway, lives in New York. Just got married again. A young girl. They always pick them younger. I know. You're damn right. Yeah, I might as well give That's up. That's one thing that hasn't changed in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, the, nothing has changed. So now, sure. what I want to say to you is, is I've been doing this, and I want to just say I'd love to work with you one day. I'd love anytime. I would love to work with you one day. I, if there's a movie <laughs> and there's a part in it for you to play my crazy aunt, will you come and That'd do it? That'd be fun to do the crazy aunt or the come, street come lady the crazy or aunt. anybody like that. Something. I like to do characters where I can faint. 
Debbie Reynolds has a new book, Unsinkable, and she has a huge collection of Hollywood memorabilia that you too can have a piece of. I'm selling it online, so if they Debbie do, Reynolds, what? Debbie Reynolds Studio Store dot com. Debbie Reynolds Studio Store dot com. You're selling your memorabilia. Lots of wonderful things. I'm yes. going to go buy something on there. Okay, Charlie Chaplin's hat. How about that? The real hat. Is any of your underwear for sale online? Uh, no, but if you really want it badly, I'll give it to you. We're done. Thank you. Got you. it. No, we're, we're, we're ending there. Bye. This is Alec Baldwin. Here's the thing. Comes from WNYC. Radio.